Well, Todd, in his children's sermon this morning, talked about a little of the, of the history of, of Thanksgiving. How, uh, And I suppose most of us, when we think of Thanksgiving, probably picture the pilgrims. Is that true for anybody? One or two? I'm wrong. That's kind of the, the the picture that I that I get in my own mind. I I think of uh, I think of the pilgrims and and uh, what what's the story? There was so their rations were so meager they got five kernels of corn on a plate till the Indians came and and uh, and and took care of them and and made it a, a feast. And it was declared for the first time by by Abraham Lincoln to be. Uh, a, a national day of, of praise and thanksgiving. He set aside the last Thursday in the November as a day of thanksgiving and praise for our beneficent Father who dwelleth in the heavens. And we really are a blessed nation, aren't we? We're blessed in so many ways, ways we probably more often than not take for granted. We're blessed as individuals, I know that I don't give praise and thanks near as often as I should. There are so many things that uh, I just take for granted. I've, I've been thinking about what I was going to say here for a couple of weeks, um, and yet this morning I turned on the water faucet, going to brush my teeth, and I didn't say thanks. I should have. <laughs> But that's, that's kind of the way it is. We're so blessed. I think we're blessed as a congregation. Blessed in ways that we don't think of. And, and, and it's my prayer for us as a congregation that we would become even more thankful than we are. That we would become a truly thankful congregation. I, I read some years ago of a pastor who served a, a small congregation in a small coal mining town in the Appalachians. One Sunday as he was speaking, a note was handed to the chairman of the congregation. The chairman glanced at it, looked out over the crowd, and then passed it down the road to its intended recipient. The pastor said he could, he could just feel the sudden, ominous, tense stillness. That unanimous agony of suspense, the holding of breath, the quickening of heartbeats as that congregation watched the note being passed to its recipient. That woman's face was white, the pastor said, as she received it. And every eye in the church was focused on her as she opened it, read it, and then smiled. It was good news, not bad news. And instantly, everyone in the congregation relaxed. See, coal miner families live in daily fear of terrible injury or death for their loved ones. And 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 why? So that the world can have coal. Uh, Many of us have probably read or heard or even known linemen who were electrocuted while doing their work. They put their lives at risk in order that we might be able to simply flip a switch light our homes, our businesses, our schools, our churches. I grew up in the oil fields of northwestern North Dakota. Now you know why you should feel sorry for me. I I remember one night a terrible explosion that occurred at the gas plant just east of 
Tioga. It was a winter night years ago. In that explosion, four men were killed. Seven others, I believe, were injured. But my home stayed warm. I read of an Air Force pilot who flew several men from the Sahara Desert to Europe after the Second World War. Having grown up in a desert, these men had never seen a tree. They'd never smelled a rose. They'd never witnessed a flowing river. They were utterly amazed when on their trip through Europe, they, they were shown a waterfall. And you can imagine to them, water was a very scarce, very precious commodity. And their guide, you know, showed it to them, waited for a few minutes and then tried to get them back into the, into the vehicle to take them on to the next scene. And they, act, they actually refused to leave. And when he asked why, they said, we're waiting for the waterfall to get turned off. They didn't believe that water could be there in that plentiful way and, and just continue to flow as it has for who knows how many years. <laughs> when, they, when they got home, they didn't even mention the waterfall experience to their friends or family members. And when they were asked why not, they replied they figured nobody would believe them anyhow. I wonder how many waterfalls I've seen in my lifetime. I've marveled at several, I know. But just to think what, what it was for them. The, uh, the, the truth is, as we come to Thanksgiving Day, and even as we start today, um, there is one official day of Thanksgiving to God, right? I'm, I'm thinking maybe it would be a good idea, and I'll just throw this out to you and you let me know what you think. I think we ought to change the final Thursday in, in November to the National Day of Grumbling and Complaining. I seriously do. And then make the other 364 days of Thanksgiving. That work for you? Yeah? Wouldn't it be nice if there was only one day of complaining? <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> the psalmist in Psalm 116, I think, had the right idea. He asked, What shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits toward me? What shall I render? When I thought, saw that word, you know what I thought of? I thought of watching my grandma rendering lard. Have you ever seen lard rendered? Anybody done it? Okay, not done it, but you've seen it. You've, you know what it's all about. You know that, that fatty piece of, of meat put into, into a hot pot and, and slowly the, the fat is given up, right? It's skimmed off and that becomes the lard. So what am I supposed to render to the Lord? Um, I actually looked up the word. To render means to present or to give or pay back or to return, excuse me, return. I think that the, the psalmist sensed within himself that he owed the Lord gratitude for all of the benefits he enjoyed in his life. And there are several I wills or I shall 
in, in the verses which follow. And I think that by these I wills I shall, he, he answers his own question. He says in verse 13 as he thinks about rendering to the Lord for his benefits. He says, I will lift up the cup of salvation. I shall lift up the cup of salvation and call upon the Lord. Now, what does it mean to lift up the cup of salvation? I think it means to exalt the gift of salvation that God has given. That we lift it up so that others might see. We lift it up and put it on display. We lift up the cup of salvation out of gratitude. We also lift up our cups, do we not? In order to have our, have our cups filled, they're empty. A couple of Thursdays ago, I didn't make this last week at the, the men's breakfast, but a couple of weeks ago, the gal came around and, and uh, she brought a coffee pot and I lifted my cup up and she filled it. No big deal, right? But think of it. If I lift up my cup, if I lift up my hands to God, if I lift them up to express my neediness, and he fills the cup, how blessed I am. We looked at Psalm 23 as part of our time in confirmation this morning. And I, and I asked the kids if they were half empty or half full type of people. And they all said they were half full kind of people. And then I told them I think they're wrong. Well, I don't think we should be half empty kind of people either. You know what it says in the scripture there? My cup overflows. As believers, we ought to be cup overflowing people. We ought to be conscious of these blessings that God so richly bestows on us. We ought to be the kind of people that those blessings in our life would spill over into the lives of others, that he might fill their lives with his presence and his blessing. We acknowledge our God as the giver of every good and perfect gift as we lift up our cups for him to fill. We acknowledge the Lord as the giver of our daily bread. We acknowledge our need of his gracious provision. We accept God's gracious gifts his benefits openly and repeatedly. We lift up our glass that he might meet our needs and even exceed them. We also lift up our glasses to make a toast. And maybe that's the first image that that came to some of our minds. I will lift up the cup of salvation. We, We lift up our glasses to make a toast to someone else, to honor them or to pay tribute to them. We, we honor them by giving thanks to them for whatever. And, and we, in, as we would lift up our cup to the Lord, we would seek to honor him for his person and his work and his abundant provision for us. Yes, as we render our thanks to the Lord, let us lift up the cup of salvation. Then in verses 14 and 18, he says, I shall pay my vows to the Lord. Oh, may it be in the presence of all his people. We pay our vows to the Lord, and it's not just to be a private thing. Oh, don't, don't quit giving thanks privately. But make your thanksgiving known to others. If we are 
cup overflowing people. Don't, don't waste the overflow. Let it spill into the lives of friends and neighbors, co-workers, that they too might know the blessing of God and his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. I shall pay my vows to the Lord. Our vows are our promises. I made vows to my wife. I've kept those vows by the grace of God. Those vows, 49 years after I first gave them, mean more to me now than they did then. And you can go ahead and tell my wife I said that. Usually I'm making fun of her, you know, teasing her. So think of our vows, our promises to God. Commitments that we've freely made to him. You know, some vows are common. I mean, everybody is blessed with the same blessings. Many then would make those vows back to God and offer thanks. And it doesn't mean that those common vows, if you will, are, are less significant or less valuable. Even though they're common, they're, they're something that the masses enjoy. They are still very personal, very deep in our hearts. And we want to pay our vows to the Lord and to do it publicly. Whatever vows we made, our desire is, is to be like that of the psalmist. Oh, may it be in the presence of all his people. Thirdly, in verse 17, the psalmist says, I will offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving. Sacrifice to offer something to a deity. That willing forfeiture of something highly valued for the sake of honoring someone else or expressing by that gift our view of their, of their surpassing greatness. We do that to the Lord. We offer sacrifices of thanksgiving to Him because He has so richly blessed us. Later on in the same psalm here, it says in verse 16, O Lord, surely I am thy servant. I am thy servant, the son of thy handmaid. Thou hast loosed my bonds. That's quite a statement that you stop and think about it. I am thy servant. I'm, I'm bound to you. I, I need to give thanks to you. You have blessed me so. And even to be known as a servant of the Most High God, that's, that's quite a position to hold, isn't it? But he goes on and he says, Thou hast loosed my bonds. He sets us free so that the bonds or so that the vows we would pay are done completely without coercion and always in the sight of his prior abundant blessing of us. He's loosed our bonds. He's set us free. He's paid the price for our sin. He's given us the gift of eternal life. He's indwelt us with his spirit. He's given us his word. He's given us the sacraments. He's given us Christian fellowship. I mean, on and on and on. 
If, if we were to start trying to list every blessing we could, we could think of, and if I involved all of you, I wonder how long we could go before we'd run out. I think we could go a long time. Maybe we'd need 364 days of Thanksgiving. Maybe that wouldn't even be enough. Maybe we should just give up on the day of grumbling and complaining, huh? In Romans 12, the Apostle Paul is led by the Spirit to say, I urge you, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. He doesn't want us to offer dead animals as sacrifice. He wants us to offer ourselves. And he's given us new life and enabled us then to offer ourselves to him. And may we do that. And may we recognize that we are holy sacrifices, not because we're perfect, but because we're perfectly forgiven. Because God, when he covers us with the righteousness of Christ, can look on us as though we've never sinned. What a blessing. And to offer ourselves then as holy sacrifices, as, as sacrifices that are set apart and belonging to God and to God alone. These are acceptable to him. This is our spiritual service of worship. We should be willing servants. We should be grateful servants. He has loosed our bonds as well. In Ephesians 4 verse 1 Paul writes, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, entreat you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you've been called. That word entreat can be translated beg. I beg you. I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling by which you've called. You know, this coming Wednesday, November 22nd, will mark the, if I counted right, 60th anniversary of the assassination of President John F. Kennedy. How many of you remember where you were on that day if you're old enough? I do too. You know, I, I'm, I, I thought about his, his inaugural address and, and how he, he made this statement and really a challenge to the American people. Ask not what you can do for your country, but ask what you, or excuse me, ask not what your country can do for you, but ask what you can do for your country. And we as Christians, I think, should, should be able to, to um, consider that, that same challenge and substitute the Lord for country. Ask not what the Lord can do for you, but ask what you can do for the Lord. Pay your vows because you've been set free from your bonds. We as Christians should remember our families and our congregations and our neighbors and our friends, the homeless, the less fortunate, our co-workers, our classmates. The list can go on and on and on. And we should give thanks to God and pray for them too, that they might know the blessings of God personally and be able to, from a heart of faith, give thanks for what the Lord has blessed them with them. With, bless them with as, as believers as well.
Thanksgiving is more than a feeling, more than words uttered. It's even more than a state of mind. True thanksgiving is action. True thanksgiving really becomes thanks living, right? And might that be true for, for each and every one of us? That we might truly be able to celebrate this wonderful holiday and to do so for all the right reasons. And may he make us even more aware of those things with which he blesses us. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Pray that you would work in our hearts a, a, a true spirit of thanksgiving. Help to make those of us who are thankful even more so. Bring to our minds, help us in our daily walk to become more and more aware of the, of the blessings that you shower on us. May we be glass overflowing Christians. In Jesus' name, amen.